In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I am super excited to have this amazing guest here with me today, Gil Peterson. How are you, my friend? Hey, hey, hey. Really happy to be here with you all the way from Austin, Bali. Loving it. I know. I love your background so much. I like wish we could swap places right now. Boston is so cold. <laughs> yeah, we don't get cold weather here. But everyone who's listening is invited. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So Gil, thank you so much for being here today. And you're a rock star of many different things. And I admire all the work that you've done and that you're doing and everything that you're working on in the future. So I'd love to hear sort of a background of your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are today? And So, you know, today I'm in a position where I feel very blessed and fortunate for these gifts that we have been given both in business and in life with three awesome kids living in Bali, even though just in the last you know, few months, our business has dropped 98%, new business opportunities have come together because you know, we've been big in events, we've been big in, in tourism uh, for quite a while now, and people don't really travel as much as they used to. But as some doors close, many doors open up. And that's the, the blessed position we feel in right now because many great opportunities that was brought into our lives like gifts with COVID. And all of these gifts, for me at least, are all very much connected to our passion of what we call edutainment, education, entertainment. Uh, we're huge believers and, and have missions connected to bringing people together the deepest and most authentic level of networking, basically, which is something I've been studying for the last 10 years, uh, depth of the sciences and arts uh, behind human networking and what, really, what does it really mean to build a community? What does personal branding truly mean? How do we you know, scale a business in the comfort of our own home just using social media? Uh, you know, we've gone through a lot of these successful failures in quite a while, and, uh, for me, it's been a, a really awesome journey that took me through, you know, more than 20 different businesses, ranging from e-commerce and mobile apps to restaurants and healthy dessert companies, and a lot of projects that didn't necessarily work out as well as I hoped, you know, and some people would say, ah, those were failures. Well, I call them successful failures, uh, which has become one of the most successful and most sought after class I have offered at many universities around the world how to attract successful failures into your life as an entrepreneur. So basically helping entrepreneurs deal with fears and deal with failures and whatever business you're going to be in, whether you have that one big business that you focus on, you're going to go through failures and ups and downs and I've just become okay with them. It's okay to have downs. That's when you truly appreciate the ups. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how did you get started in business? I think I just wanted, like I was young, you know, I was like 13, 14, and I just wanted money. 
my, I come from a very, very simple family. You know, my dad being a carpenter, my mom being kind of a stay-at-home mom. When I was born, of course, uh, today it's a whole different story. But back then, I didn't really get everything I wanted as money kids. I want, 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 want. And at the age of 13, I just told my dad I wanted some money. And there was a um, Christmas fair in a shopping mall in Montreal, Canada, where I was living at the time. And I said to my dad, what if I work at this Christmas fair over the weekend and I sell stuff? And uh, it was cool. So we managed to find some products that I could sell. And that was the first time I, you know, I made a lot of money. Well, back then it was a lot of money for me. Like it was over a hundred dollars. Oh my God. It was for a 13 year old boy. You know, this is, uh, you know, 28 years ago. That's a lot of money. That's a really a lot of money. And I was making a hundred bucks every weekend leading up to Christmas. And, you know, on the last weekend, right before Christmas, I made like hundreds. I don't remember how much, but oh. it was like, I remember literally coming home and putting all this money in my bed and, you know, doing one of those cheesy things where I threw the money up and uh, my mom sighed and she got very, very upset with me. She says, you need to respect money. Uh, and she said, money doesn't grow on trees. And that's something that stuck with me. But through my life, I didn't really believe that. I believe that money does grow on trees and money is made from paper and paper is made from trees. So if you have an abundance mindset, you can actually see money all around you, just like I currently see trees and leaves all around me. And then business opportunities started coming into my life from, you know, the age of 18, you know, I left school as school was not really for me. I failed out of multiple high schools and never really went to university. And I just got into the workforce at a pretty young age. And through my career until the age of 30, I had many different jobs. I always had a side business. Mm. I always had a side gig, always had something on the side, one or two things, weekends, evenings, I always hustled to make money on the side. And um, I can't really tell you exactly why back then I wanted money, but I, when I'm kind of reflecting on it, I like the freedom of being able to buy what I want. I, I like the freedom of being able to give people discounts and understanding margins and understanding that I gave them a good deal and I got a good deal. This is a win-win. Like I felt good about that win-win in business. And uh, at the age of 33, I went, I disconnected from all the jobs and I just started setting up companies. Wow. So what was your first company that you set up? What was your first baby, if you will? There wasn't really a first baby because again, since the age of 18, I've been having side businesses. So there was yeah. all these different companies that I set up and at the age of 19, even though I worked for one company, I already had another business card. At the age of 21, when I was in London, I remember like this a little too clearly because it was ridiculous. At any given point, I had four to five different business cards in my pocket for the different projects that I was involved in. Oh. Uh, it was really bad actually, because I would know that my left pocket had these cards and my right pocket had these cards and my inside pocket had these cards. So based on who I talked to, I took out a different business card. And that was a ridiculous way of like developing <laughs> business. The, the most successful project that we still have today is the one that I set up with my wife uh, about nine years ago. Uh, we've been together for 10 years now. And that company started off as a speed dating company that very quickly developed into um, 
business networking and workshops and different training seminars. And that's how we started working with people like Tony Robbins and Eckhart Tolle and Jay Abraham and some of the most incredible teachers and speakers and trainers in the world that to me were like, oh my God, they're up there as a guru. And I learned how to bring them down here so I could talk to them face to face. Tell me a little bit about that business. It's, it sounds fascinating. So I'm like, I love, I'd love to hear about it. So what the business used to be is not what it is today. You know, the business was um, very much uh, what we called educational tourism. Um, so we took people from the comfort of their home uh, to different transformational and educational seminars around the world. So for example, last year, 2019, I brought uh, more than 3,000 people to Tony Robbins events around the world. And that business entailed, you know, hotels and flights and doing visas for people who needed it. And some people don't speak English very well, so we offered them translation in other languages. And we did excursions and many, many, many mastermind dinners and VIP gatherings and business breakfasts. And we, we built a lot around these businesses uh, focusing on communities who believed in personal development. That was something that, you know, we really believed in and we, we saw that growing and that business grew very, very quickly. Uh, four years ago, we became the, um, the, the, the leading regional partner in the world for Tony Robbins. So no one actually has ever been able to bring foreigners from a different country into Tony Robbins um, events um, in one kind of group, in one community, in one delegation. And that was quite a humbling uh, position to be in. You know, I managed to meet with Tony and his team often, what else we could do and how we could serve other people, how it wasn't mine to keep. So I wanted to be able to share it with other countries, how we did what we did to, you know, just coming from an abundance position. And that business transitioned quite a bit. Of course, during COVID, we had to focus a lot more online and do online gatherings, do online webinars, a lot of marathons, like Instagram marathons for people who just wanted to go crazy for seven days online while they're being stuck at home and just really lift their spirits and their, their skills to another level that they can connect with new people, they can set up new businesses, they can, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel again. Absolutely. So I'm fascinated by you in many respects because you're a serial entrepreneur and I love that. And that's sort of what I've been my entire life too. I started in the restaurant world. By the time I was 21, I had two restaurants of my own and then shifted into real estate development and all that, all that stuff. And it's always interesting to me from an entrepreneurial standpoint to sort of understand like, what was the motivation for you? throughout that time, besides like just wanting more money, was there anything else that motivated you? Yeah, no, of course. So wanting more money was really in my teenage years. Very quickly in my, uh, my early 20s, I understood that uh, money was not a motivation for me. And still till this day, uh, I'm not inspired or motivated by money. If I was, you know, I'd work with a lot of what I would call unethical companies out there. You know, companies, tobacco companies and alcohol companies and um, you know, all these oil and gas companies have offered me tremendous amounts of money to come in and, and work with their teams and support their company and adjust strategies and look at how the network internally and externally is being managed. Because I've worked with hundreds of corporations, multiple governments, and, and many, many, of course, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs in my life. And that motivation came 
when three things happened. Number one, I was able to see someone become better in what I do than myself. Mm. You know, and I love that. That came from a karmic position, karmic management, where if I'd like to achieve something in life, I'd rather find someone else that wants to do it and help them as much as I can achieve that. So that was a really nice position to see my students surpass my position. And today, majority of my clients are much, much wealthier than me. And they're more successful in some parts of life. And some are not, you know, some are just, they're now setting up businesses. Maybe they left the corporate world and they've had enough of the corporate world. And I don't want to be a banker anymore. You know, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I, I help them kind of set that path ahead of them with the right connections, with the right network so that they don't trip over their feet too much. And, and that was for me a really nice um, journey to one, help people surpass my standards. Number two, to help people go through a path that they're passionate about without too many fears, without too much pain, because in entrepreneurs, we need to go through pain. Yep. But if I could take pain away from some entrepreneurs, it's amazing. Yep. And the third level that was really exciting for me is that I understood that I don't need to be the one setting up businesses in order to, for me to be in business. So the more I trained and I coached people, more business opportunities came to me. So today I'm able to be a shareholder of multiple companies. I don't need to finance them. I don't need to manage the team. I don't need to do all the work. Other people do the work. I come in a couple of times a week. I join their meetings. We adjust strategies. I give them some creativity. I blow their minds a little bit. I walk away. I make money when I sleep. So it kind of worked out that by serving the world with a passion, with energy, the, the world tends to kind of serve me without me, you know, while I sleep. I love that. So what would you say would be like your mantras or that have they evolved over the years or has it always been like one mantra that you've sort of kept? No, they continuously evolve. They evolve when I'm not feeling well. They evolve when, you know, my kids want more my attention. They, they evolve. I don't have one mantra that is pushing me. I, I have belief systems that, you know, different teachers have given me. And these different teachers have taught me to constantly look outside of the box, constantly look outside of the business model itself. Like Jay Abraham always told me, like, whatever business you're in, whatever challenges you have, look way outside of that business model, not just at your competitors, but look at a completely different industry and you'll find solutions. Tony has always taught me to, you know, to drive life with passion, to always raise my standards, always, whatever it is that I do. And I expect this for myself and I expect this from others as well. Someone like Eckhart Tolle, who I've worked with very, very closely for a while, taught me to try to really, as often as I can, be here and now. Really just be in the present moment as much as possible. I'm not perfect at that. I'm far from it. Being in Bali really helps me. Being structured with my calendar and what I got to do helps me. Trying my best to be focused. I'm not usually a very focused person. I like to do many projects. You know, Eckhart always told me to, to just try to be in flow. Um, I remember when I uh, one specific conversation with Eckhart, when many of my teachers at that time, I was doing like 100 plus speeches a year. Uh, this is about three years ago. And I told Eckhart that I keep on getting feedback from my teachers that I need to prepare more for these speeches and I need to have better presentations. I need to be rehearsing more so I could deliver a better speech. But Eckhart told me, you know what, for all these years, I never prepare presentations, I never rehearse. I just try to be in flow and I try to channel the information with confidence that I know I could serve these people. I know I'm coming from a good place. I know I can give them value right now and just give it to them. So I have these different mantras that before I get on stage, before I'm, you know, I, I get into a meeting, 
just something to get me going. Mantras, lots of love. I'm loving it. So now, what would you say would be your favorite business that you've ever started? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, my favorite one. So it's, it's a tricky question because it's kind of, would my favorite one also be the one that lasted longest or the one that grew? I don't know. That's actually an interesting question. Like it's a trick question. So, you know, it's the ones that grew the most and are still growing are the ones that we're still doing now in personal development. They continuously grew. They went through a lot of difficult times. One of my favorite one was a mobile app company. I had a lot of fun with that one. It was a very, very innovating ahead of its time mobile app. Uh, this was uh, six years ago. It was one of the first of its kind that helped people navigate inside shopping malls, which was really cool. Imagine you had a mobile app that helped you navigate within the shopping mall, like massive shopping malls, and it told you where are the discounts, where are the specials. You can virtually go into the shops and see what's going on there. You could see clothing. You could be notified of things that you want that have just arrived. And that was a lot of fun. That was like, you know, I met these young guys and they were completely lost and they had technology, but they had no idea how to like do anything with it. And that business was cool because I was new in mobile apps as well, but I managed to learn quickly and connect with people in the industry and study. And like, really it was like a whole new brand new school for me. Like I didn't know nothing about the industry, but I studied it and I connected with people and I brought in investors and I connected with the biggest shopping malls in different parts of the world. And like that business grew, grew, grew. And that was cool. Um, that business didn't last, unfortunately, because the financial model that we had wasn't scalable enough and it wasn't making as much money as we thought. So everyone kind of lost interest and everyone just started doing their other businesses. That's great. That sounds super fun though. And it so was, it was nice to learn. I liked learning new businesses. You know, when I opened up my restaurant, I didn't know anything about the restaurant industry, but I was very passionate about healthy food. So I opened up the first organic restaurant in Moscow. I was living in Moscow at the time. That was a lot of fun. I opened juice bars. Juice bars were awesomely fun. Like, wow. I, 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 again, it, I, I've learned that a lot of the business, well, actually every business that I've opened up in my life was fun for me because it was brand new. It was like a brand new industry in a brand new category. And I, like, I didn't know anything about it. I had to learn it. I had to start from zero. But I had me, I had my connections, I had my interest to learn, I had my perseverance. Um, you know, I don't think that people get to any specific age where like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years, I cannot move. Of course you can. Last week I was speaking to a friend of mine who's like 60, I think he's like 65, 67 years old, and he's completely changing an industry for the third time in his life. And he's super excited about it. And that for me is fun. When you go through changes, the first time it's a little bit scary, course yeah second time it's a little bit scary but the third time you're already like well i can learn this i can meet people who can help me i can find some mentors that's amazing because most people right if they don't know anything about an industry and they want to start a business in it most of the time they're just afraid you know they're just like uh-uh mm -mm, no and like for me after i got out of restaurants i went straight into construction and i knew nothing about construction but i was like I'm going to find a mentor. I'm going to find somebody and I'm just going to learn it. And everyone's like, how the hell do you, <laughs> where do you get that? And it's amazing to me because you have sort of the same mentality. You're like, I have my connections. I'll figure it out. I'll make it happen. So 
walk me through like your mind state when you get like excited about like a new industry or a new opportunity or anything like that. I'd, I'd love to hear your thought process sort of behind that. I just think it's so fascinating. So I think that, you know, for anyone who's listening, they've like all of us, they've gone through a massive change since, you know, March of this year. Business suffered, maybe their job suffered, maybe they had to move out of their home. I don't know, like we moved out of our home. We were living in Singapore, now we live in Bali. Uh, it's nice. Uh, we didn't come here because it was cheaper, even though it is so much cheaper. We came here because it was a more free way of life. It's not that easy for, for, to move countries, you know, yeah. especially when you're moving with two kids. And my wife was pregnant at the time. Now she's not pregnant anymore. Baby came out. Awesome. We got three kids now. But it's not easy. But if you have a, a, a strong enough reason why and you're able to write it down and you understand that it's going to enable you, it's going to empower you. Going through that change, starting that new business has become kind of, I don't have a choice. If I stay and I don't transition, I don't pivot, I don't grow, I don't iterate, I'll be sad. You know, I'll be disappointed with myself. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll go into depression. Moving out of the existing network that one is in, is the most scariest and most exhilarating step in life. When you're like, that's it, that's enough. I've had enough of these people. They keep on complaining about their jobs. They keep on complaining about the government. They keep on blaming other people. I wanna step out of this network. I wanna move out of this neighborhood. You know, some people have said, I wanna step away from this family, which is difficult to do. You know, nine years ago, I had to make a lot of distance between myself and my family. I love them very much and I even loved them back then. But back then they were like, stop being an entrepreneur, try to get a job because my dad failed as an entrepreneur. They didn't want me to fail as well, um, which I get it. But like, come on, find a stable job. Like why are you not getting married? Why are you not having kids? Be more like your brother. He's been working at IBM for 20 years. You know, I was like, I don't want to hear any of this shit. Mm. And it wasn't just for my family. It was from a lot of different people who I called my friends who were very cool people, but they had very successful jobs. And they were like, no, Gil, like, you know, stop messing around. You're trying this, you're trying that. Why don't you stick to one project? I'm like, I haven't figured out which project I want to stick to. Leave me alone, you know? Like, I'm trying to discover myself. And what I know that while I'm discovering who I am and what I want to do, I'm not going to sit back and wait. I'm going to do something. I'm going to try something that sounds like fun. I'm going to like, you know what? I'm going to start this restaurant. Let me give it a year. Let me like really give it a year and give my best shot and learn as fast as I can and like really take it seriously. When I got into the HR industry and recruitment, I didn't know anything about it, but I was like, well, I know a lot of people. A lot of people need jobs. It's probably good karma if I help people get jobs because I would get more clients. Let's go, 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 go. And I didn't know anything about it. And yeah, I didn't do very well at it, but that's okay because I learned a lot about myself who I am in a business, my strengths and weaknesses in a business. And I think that mindset is the one, the perseverance, don't give up on yourself. You know, if you're going to choose to do something, give it a shot, three months, six months, 12 months, like really give it a shot. Number two, it's the ability and knowledge that I can learn anything. Like I'm not going to suddenly learn, you know, algebra. I wasn't very good in school. So I'm not going to suddenly learn you know, I don't know how nature grows and what makes, I don't know what, how the trees are all connected. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Maybe I'll watch a little documentary about it, but I'm not going to go too deep on it because 
it doesn't get my juices going. But right. if something does get my juices going, you know, recently I got into the, I got back into the wellness industry. So I used to be in wellness and, and health food shops like GNC and Whole Foods and all this kind of businesses. And I left that industry and I went into personal development and suddenly I found because of COVID, those industries came back into my life. So now I could tell you that my industry that I'm really, looks like we're, you know, growing very quickly in, is in wellness and educational tourism. So people don't just come to our retreats to learn, they come to our retreats to heal and to detox. And maybe they got COVID and they wanted to fight through it. And we helped thousands of people just make sure to boost their autoimmune system. And that's amazing, you know? And there's no need to like eat crap food or drink alcohol if you don't need to in order to connect with people. So it's that mindset of like, well, I can be a superhero if I want to, yeah? I believe I'm a superman if I want to be, yeah? I can lift both my kids and both arms. I'm stronger now today than I've ever been before. A couple of times a week, I put my kids on my shoulders, you know, together they're like 30 kilos and I'll walk for a couple of miles, you know? That's not that easy to do at the age of 40. At least it wasn't for me a couple of years ago, but because of COVID, I've been pushing my body to the next level because I want to raise my standards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the sort of mindset entrepreneurs out there need. They need to persevere for something. They need to choose what am I passionate about? And if they're a little bit lost in life, just decide what was I passionate about when I was a kid and go do something fun. One of my clients was pretty massive in the diamond industry in Dubai. We spoke to him a little bit and we wanted to reignite some of his passions. And suddenly he was reminding me that when he was young, he loved go-karting. And suddenly now he's bonding with his 80 year old son because they're go-karting together. And he's loving it. He's like, I'm in love with this. It brought up this energy in me. I get to bond with my son on the weekends. I'm now like getting other dads involved in this. I'm like, yeah, get your juices going. Because life is about growing or dying. There is no neutral. If you're neutral, you're dead. Yep. A flower either dies or flourishes. I choose to flourish all the time, every single day. Two millimeters if I can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you talked about too a little bit earlier about having to distance from your family and like sort of maintaining your mentality. And I can relate with that a lot because especially when you're starting out and you're a serial entrepreneur, you got so many things going on. There's a lot of doubt that surrounds you. And sometimes it amazes you to realize that it's sometimes the closest people to you. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that struggle with that you know they want to start a business they want to do all these things and then they have people in their ear like no you can't do that you know that's not normal that's not you know how are you going to pay your bills you know and then you get these voices in your head that start to sort of play with you and i've seen a lot of people succumb to that and so my question for you is how did you combat that as a way and then just kept going so it, that's a really really important question you know and the way you said it is even more important even deeper than you can even imagine don't combat it don't it's not something you need to fight and again it depends on who it is from your family if it's a husband or a wife then you can't really disconnect you got to make it happen unless you want to go through a conscience uncoupling which is a new way of getting divorces that's okay. It happens. You know, I don't, I have nothing against people splitting up as long as they've tried to really make it work. They've really, no need for therapy, but you really, you had some sharing sessions, some closed masterminds. You really try to make it work. 
But if we're talking about, you know, siblings, mother, father, people like that, make space, create some distance. You can create distance in proximity to actually go live in another city. You can create some distance where you don't talk to them as often. It might sound like an asshole. Some of your listeners are like, oh my God, this guy is such an ass. Well, you know what? My parents love me today as much as they did before and I love them as well. My parents are better off today than they were a few years ago when their focus was very much about what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you safe? Are you happy? And they didn't do it from a negative point of view. They did it from a loving point of view. They didn't want me to suffer. You know, my dad went through a bankruptcy and, you know, really big failure in business. And then he had a, a stroke and a divorce. Like he didn't want me to go through that. And I get it. But like, hey, man, I need to learn from you. I shouldn't avoid what you went through. I should learn from it. So that's why I'm in Bali and that's why I do meditation. And that's why like, I try to calm myself down and I get a massage once a week. And you know, I try to remember that life is not about go, 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 go. Life is about calming down and finding space to chill. And you know, 99% of the nights I read my kids books at night. Maybe I'll miss once in a while, but I'll, I'll make sure I'm at home. And every single morning I see them before they go to school and I hug them and stuff. And, it's nice. And I think also COVID gave that to me, which I love. I'm, I'm not flying anywhere. Oh my God. But by auditing your network, which is a whole long conversation. It's something I go very, very deeply with my clients. When you audit your network and you understand who is in your network and then you start to gauge them, you actually do it on a piece of paper on Excel on, on a computer. And like you actually start to understand, are these people adding value to my life or are they, potentially holding me back? Am I inspired by them or do they suck my energy? What is the average income that they make? Because if they make an average income of like, you know, $50,000 a year, it's going to be very difficult for me to make $100,000 a year. That's why for me, I'm very, very mindful of some of the people who are closest to me. I want them to be more successful than I am in different parts of life. That's why like a mentor doesn't have to be a perfect person. And our parents are not our mentors. Again, I'll repeat that. A mentor does not need to be a perfect person, which is the most common mistakes people do. They're like, no, 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 that guy, he makes money, but he's cheating on his wife. He's a bad mentor. No, he's not. Don't go out with him at night where he's cheating on his wife. Meet up with him for breakfast in, in the morning or lunch and talk business. Like, you don't have to agree with everything they do in life, but you need to choose what you learn from them. And that's why our parents are not our mentors because that's not their place. Their place is to be our, our parents. Their place is to, you know, try to lift us up and try to support us and try to protect us. You know, I understand that as a father myself, when I see my two-year-old son running, I'm like, no, no, don't run so much. I don't want him to fall. But it's a two-year-old boy. Of course he's going to run. What, like, am I like, like, what is this? <laughs> don't run. Like, you know, of course he's going to hurt himself. Then I just close my eyes. Like, oh my God, I hope he's not going to cry. Oh my God, I hope he's not going to cry. Yeah, and then he cries for the 30 seconds, and that's it. Like, he gets distracted by a butterfly, and he's not crying anymore. <laughs> but that's life, because can we distract ourselves with a butterfly? Yes, we can. If our parents or family member or someone is just, like, hammering us down, be distracted. Find someone else that is inspiring to you and go spend more time with them. Go start following some new mentors. Go start going to some other personal development events. Go join some new communities. You know, quit that job that doesn't teach you anything anymore and go find another one that you like better. Not maybe it's not going to pay you as much money, but maybe you'll be 
more inspired with this job because the team is amazing and your boss is inspiring. That's how I always pick my job. Since the age of 18, every job I had, I don't think I was making that much money for a living. Like really my jobs, how much? So like, yeah, no, I was getting like really, really bad money, but maybe back then it was okay. But I was making maybe a thousand dollars a month, you know, in some of my jobs. And like today, of course it's nothing, you know, but back then maybe it was a lot of money, but actually it wasn't because I wasn't looking for jobs that would pay me money. I, would, I was looking for jobs with really awesome bosses. Mm. That was my thing. Find a boss who's awesome. Find a boss who would not be a parent figure to me, but would be a mentor to me. That's awesome. Awesome bosses. So basically it connects to the human, which I think is really, really cool. It connects to just, you know, the simple ways of how we are growing. It connects to if we have awesome people in our network that keep on lifting it up. One of my good friends and mentors, Keith Farazi, who wrote the book, Never Eat Alone, keeps on talking in the last year, especially about co-elevation. Before everybody was talking about co-creation. Co-elevation is when the people around you are moving up, or if you move up, you take people with you. You don't go by yourself. You don't become rich alone. You know, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't want to be the richest guy in the room. That means I'm doing a bad job. So yep. I surround myself with very, very smart people, smarter than me at least. You know, I, I love surrounding myself in rooms with people who are very rich. Three weeks ago, I held, I was facilitating a, a, a virtual mastermind for seven billionaires. I'm not a billionaire. But most of them know me very, very well. They know my capabilities. They know my abilities to strategize and think outside of the box and give them some creative thoughts. They know my abilities to facilitate and hold space. And it's not the first time I've done it with them. Wow. But for me, I was like, oh my God, I'm learning so much. I love understanding how they think. Mm. Because trying to understand how someone thinks and trying to model them, you can't copy another human being, but you can model different human beings, you can really grow your standards, which is incredible. That is incredible. Oh, man. So leading to that, another question I have for you is, what was your biggest aha moment in business where you were like, yep, this is what I'm meant to do. This is it. Boom. <laughs> you know, I've been asked this question a lot of times. It's a question that I can't think of one aha moment because I've had many. But one of the greatest ones that helped me out a lot, well, actually two, and both of them, I would say, it's because of Tony Robbins, who put me in that position in my life, first of all, who helped me understand um, who I am inside of the business. Mm. Because every business has these different characteristics within it. And unless you understand truly what is your superpowers within the business, you try to do everything. You try to be a jack of all trades or a jackie of all trades. And you're trying to get it all done and you're trying to just somehow partner up with people, but it's not working or hire people and it's not working. And it didn't work for me for many, many years because I wasn't in the right seat. Mm. I was trying to be in all the seats at the same time. And Tony really helped me understand a lot more about who I am in the business. And that really, it's almost like this small two millimeter shift. Imagine when like, you know, you got a golf ball in front of you and you hit it as hard as you can. But if you hit it with a two millimeter difference, in the beginning, it doesn't look like it's, it makes a difference, but actually down the line, it makes a massive, massive difference in the ball. Massive, two millimeter difference. And that's the exact same thing in life. 
That's why sometimes we need a mentor to help us adjust the business model, help us adjust our thinking, help us adjust the way we motivate, the way we inspire, the way we manage just a little bit. And that adjustment could suddenly, wow, money's coming in, clients are coming in. Oh my God, business is growing. Yeah, so that was the first thing. And the second one was that I can be a business owner and not a business operator. Mm. And that was a really big one. And I love being a business operator. Don't get me wrong. I love being involved in the business. I love understanding what's going on. But actually, it drains my energy. Mm -hmm. And I never really realized that I just thought it was a part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. You need to not sleep. And you need to, like, you know, work 15, 18 hours a day, which there's nothing wrong with that. I've done that for years. 15, 18 hours 24-hour days, not sleeping. I was passionate about it. I loved it. But it's not sustainable. Right. But there are specific ways to adjust yourself and your business. Basically, you're organizing your network a little bit better. Your internal network and your company, your network in your mind, your network in your body, how your body is performing in a business. Because it's completely okay to go 24 hours, 48 hours with no sleep. It's completely okay. But you need to understand how to manage yourself. You need to understand what level of energy you have. And as soon as you're able to adjust and organize the network differently, internal and external network, suddenly your business can run without you being there. And you could be sleeping or you could be on vacation. Mm. I love that. Especially because now it's a society where it's like entrepreneurship hustle and this and all of that is so glamorized in a sense. So it's amazing to hear you talk about, hey, there's a way to do this without like killing yourself. But I feel like almost in the beginning, you almost got to put in that work. And then you transition into this new mindset of, hey, I can do this without spending 15 to 18 hours. Because that's what it was like for me too. It was like, that's all I knew. Hustle every single day, 15 to 18 hours. No problem. Sometimes. But I think it's okay. I, every entrepreneur has that journey. And I know many, many entrepreneurs. I don't know one who just went from starting a business to not really working hard. And even if they did maybe for six months, suddenly something changed, something went wrong, then oh my God, they're, they're back in. I think it's okay to work a lot for a living. Mm. It's complete, I love working. It's not difficult for me, I love it. Mm. It's not hard work, it's smart work. Like, I'm not a lazy person, but I don't wanna work hard. I've done that. Right. Now I've understood that we can actually work smart by serving other people, by thinking about our employees more, by really understanding, by constantly reviewing our goals and, and doing that with our loved ones. You know, review your goals and your ambitions and your passions with your husband and your wife. It's incredible when you're aligned how much more it could be done because my wife is my business partner still today yeah. in multiple companies. And it's awesome for me how both of us are co-elevating ourselves. Sometimes if someone has a bad day, someone is not feeling well, the other person lifts them up. It's wonderful. That's awesome. So what would be your number one key to success when it comes to working with your wife as a business partner? <laughs> you know, you need to have those lines. You need to have rules. You know, um, seven years ago, uh, I got into a really bad uh, fight with my, she was a girlfriend at the time, about business. 
and mm -hmm. it was connected to money and what should we do with the business and should we invest in more marketing this something like that and really really got upset and i walked out of the house it was october time i was in moscow it was freezing cold i did not have a jacket and i also forgot my wallet at home i'm a guy and i'm stubborn and i'm not going to come home and get my wallet and i'm not going to come home and get my jacket because i'm a tough guy i could do it outside but it was cold and uh, i walked and it was like late it was like one o'clock in the morning and i was walking and walking and at one stage it was like okay it's really cold right now you know like really cold but again we're men we don't want to show our weaknesses like now i've learned that it's okay to show weaknesses and be vulnerable and ask for help so i walked into a coffee shop and i said listen i, I forgot my wallet i'm sorry like can i just have some tea and they said sure yeah no problem they give me some tea and just to keep warm and i sat on the corner i had my phone with me and i was completely lost not knowing what to do the way i'm always thinking in life someone's got the answer mm. someone if i don't have the answer i shouldn't think about it too much someone's got the answer so right away think who you should call and don't call your family members don't call people who are close to you because you trust them and know them call people who have the answer mm. yeah so I called one of my old bosses who was doing business with his wife uh, for 30 years. And uh, I haven't spoken with him in a very, very long time. And like, he was my boss 15 years before them. Uh, yeah. And I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I called him up and he was in Canada and I was in Moscow. So even though it was like two o'clock in the morning for me, for him, it was late afternoon. Oh. It was like, hey man, it's like, it's Gil. It's like, hey, what's going on? I'm in a meeting. Like, it's an emergency, I need to speak to you. And he said, yeah, give me two minutes, I'll call you back. And it's really, which is really like mind boggling. Imagine like you're catching someone in the middle of the day after not speaking to them for years, you told them it's an emergency. It means that you must have had a good relationship with him. So I felt good about that. He calls me up and he says, yeah, man, I've been there, done that, don't worry about it. It's like, first of all, stop being such a hero and a man. You gotta go back and apologize. Yeah, she's a woman, uh, apologize, please. That, that's it, just apologize which is not easy. And then he said something, he said like, first of all, sit right now and send her an email. So put your thoughts together and send her an email instead of going home and potentially getting back into the argument. Mm. Send her an email and then send her a text message saying, if you're still awake, please read my email. I'm coming home. Mm. And the email was basically, yeah, apologizing, but with the email based on his advice, we're setting rules for our business partnership. Mm. And it was really special because today we still have these rules. Uh, these rules changed a little bit because now we are, first of all, we are husband and wife, then we are parents, and then we are business partners, which is really important because a lot of couples tend to put themselves as parents first. And I personally completely disagree with that because if you put yourself as a parent first, you'll get into trouble with your loved one you'll neglect them. You'll, you'll take them for granted. So we still have our date nights and we still have our, you know, make sure to still try to be as romantic as possible and like feet massages whenever possible. Like <laughs> I can't be a perfect guy, but you know, you do whatever you can to first treat them like a loved one. And then like parents, so make sure that you prioritize kids before business meetings. And it's funny, but now my daughter only being four years old, I've taught her that I'm putting meetings with her in my calendar now. So for example, a couple of nights ago, we had a, uh, a chocolate workshop at home. That's but it was all just, everyone knows I'm not a bad parent. It was raw chocolate. 
So raw cacao, so very, very, very bitter. But if you mix it with berries and with some nuts and stuff, it's actually quite tasty. So we had a chocolate workshop and I put it into my calendar. That's awesome. And I put it, no, because that's very helpful for me because it means that none of my team and none of my assistants can book that time for something else. Mm-hmm. But that time was for them. And it was really, really cool that we have every single Thursday evening, we have date nights or we have mastermind nights with my wife and other friends, you know, and they're very, very selective of who we invite. So I think you need that balance. So first of all, you have your family. And even though my family is completely in the business, there still needs to be that balance. And also there needs to be some sort of a split and responsibility in what each person is focusing on so that you could be co-CEOs. In our case, neither one of us is a CEO. We've hired CEOs in all of our companies, but we're co-owners of the company. So we need to be there to support each other and listen to each other. And especially when you go through crazy difficult times, like during COVID time, where your business goes from, you know, millions of dollars a month to suddenly hundreds of dollars a month. You're like, whoa, what do I do? Whoa. That's when the partnership really flourishes because very quickly you could work as a unit and the business comes back to, um, a healthy position once again. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that you set the boundaries too between and the rules between the both of you and that you still have them today. Awesome. You need you need something. Listen, like like I do a lot of masterminds around the world. I've been facilitating masterminds for the last five years and I've launched masterminds all over the world for like governments and corporations and tons of entrepreneurs and business clubs and stuff. And uh, I love masterminds because in masterminds you have rules. And if you follow the rules, you create structure. And if you create structure, you can measure results. And if you can measure results, you can repeat results. Yeah. But as I love to say in all my masterminds, guys, all the rules are there to help you, but any rule could be broken as long as you're replacing it with another rule. Mm. So even in a relationship, if ever we break a rule and like, okay, I can't make it this Thursday for date night, let's make it Friday. Okay. Nice. You, you can't, don't, don't just like forget something. If you have a rule, you don't have to follow it to the T. Trust me, I don't. I, I want to be healthy, but I love ice cream. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, it, you could kind of find healthy ice cream. I know, I know, I know. But still, I like a little bit of sugar. Not the same. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just important to, to create some values. You don't have to call them rules, you know. Create some values. It's almost like in any good company you have a company culture. You need to create your own family culture that works for you. And now another question for you. What would be your best advice to entrepreneurs or anyone out there listening? Specifically entrepreneurs, I would say, because that's sort of your realm, right? Anyone who's out there starting well, a startup, any, anything, your best piece of advice. First of all, I would start by saying, pause here go to the beginning, listen to everything again, and write down advice that I've been giving you since the beginning. Start there. If you didn't take any notes on advice that you've heard, it's the same thing as just listening to music. You're just being entertained, Mm -hmm. which is an absolute waste of time. So if you're gonna listen to, like I listen to an average of an hour and a half, sometimes two hours a day, either to podcasts, audiobooks, or really good, interesting videos on YouTube that are there to stimulate my mind to teach me something. And in most of the cases, I'm writing some kind of a note. Yeah, either it's in my phone or it's a piece of paper, 
I'm writing some sort of a note somewhere. It's an idea, it's an insight, it's a question for later on. You know, take things away from people that you look up to. So if people love your podcast, you know, they should take something away, not just like say, oh, wow, that sounds right, and then go back to their own lives. Right. Yeah. Second thing I would say, if you like what someone says and it really, really resonates with you, find a way to create proximity between you and them. So I was listening to Tony Robbins for more than 10 years before I started, you know, understanding that one day I can maybe meet him. And then I started working with him. If you think about it, it really took me 15 years until I started actually working with Tony Robbins. And then it took me another two years until I met him one-on-one. -on -one. Huh. And then I've met him since then many, many times, uh, both in, even in his home and at events and hotels, you know, we've had some good uh, connections. And what, what's important about that is that you can create proximity with someone and call them a mentor without actually knowing them personally. Just mm -hmm. by following them, by connecting on social media, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, for example, with me, connect with me on LinkedIn, tell me where you know me, tell me where you heard me. Don't just press connect. That's boring. Don't just follow someone on Instagram. Say thank you for something. Connect, engage, build that first spark, and then you can slowly, slowly build on top of that. So that's number two, you know, engage with people that inspire you. You know, I did the same thing with like people like Brian Tracy and Robert Kiyosaki and even Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street. When I saw the movie, I was like, I want to meet him one day. And I did. A year later, I met him and I shared a stage with him. That was cool. You know, so that's number two that's very important. Number three, Try to follow your passions as much as possible and remember that you actually could monetize your passion. You really, really could. And you can also develop passions. You can become very passionate about things that are more broader than what you're thinking about today. Number four, I would say diversify your skills and diversify what you do in life. Don't just be stuck. Try to grow. Try to be a plant as much as possible and grow. And a plant grows their roots downwards to connect with other plants. So if you know, like all these trees and everything I'm looking at right now around me, 100% of all of them are touching each other underground. Mm. Every single plant, every single tree, all of them, and that I know scientifically, they're all connecting. They're all touching each other. And the grass that's getting a lot of sun right now, it's actually giving those nutrients to the other plants that are not in the sun. And the trees that are very, very high up, that are bringing the sun in, it's actually bringing the nutrients to the ones that are maybe under the trees. You know, so be, have those roots that grow further and further so you could touch a wider network. And as you grow as a plant, try to help others and influence others and support others and grab information and, you know, grow. Feel free to grow. It's, it's nice to grow. It feels good to grow geographically. I love having... Different clients call me up and say, Gil, I want to expand my business globally, but I'm also, I'm tired of where I live right now. I want to come and live somewhere else. I'm like, where do I start? I'm like, yes, I've lived in six different places in my life and many, many years in each, and I've set up businesses in each of them. So I've learned how to walk people through the one, two, three of taking their bags and moving somewhere with their family. I've done it with kids. You know, how do you move from the banking into the health industry, or how do you move from I've been in construction and I want to have a restaurant or like, you know, how do you do that? Wonderful. I can walk people through that and 
I think that's the important thing to not be afraid of change. Easier said than done, I know. Change is challenging, but change is healthy for us. Let's remember that. Change is healthy. Remember that whenever you're scared of change. I love how you describe the trees and being interconnected. This is why you're the network mastery coach, right? <laughs> Everything is connected, right? <laughs> I love that. We can get under the spiritual part, how we are all one. Yes. And you know, when it comes to networking, there's a lot of depth that people are afraid to learn about, which is human frequencies and how we project energy from ourselves to animals, to plants and to other human beings. There's a lot about vibrations and how emotions change how we actually vibrate as a human, which means you can manifest business opportunities. You can manifest, you know, greatness in life. And everyone who's listening has had that when you were thinking about someone and they called you yep. or you were hoping for something and then that person walked up and offered it to you. This is reality. It's not magic. And it's not something I was born with. I was born as an introvert. And at the age of 10, I became an immigrant. And since the age of 10, I was an immigrant in different countries where it's a new country, a new language, and I didn't speak the language. And even English is my third language, a language that I never learned in school. So whatever people are thinking in their heads right now, ah, Gil had it, he was born with it, and blah, 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 blah. Don't come up with excuses. You know, if you want something in life, go out and get there. And you need to understand that building relationships is a big part of it. Amen to that. That is like the perfect closing remark. <laughs> and now, Gil, where can everybody find you and your awesomeness? Uh, I'm the only Gil Peterson on Google. So if they cannot find me, it's not my fault. It's, it's them kind of, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this and you cannot find me, or you're thinking, ah, he's too busy, or he's not going to respond to me, or what am I going to say to him? What you need to remember is that when I knew I was going to be in the same room as Richard Branson, what I did is my research on what is Richard working on these days? What is important for Richard to think about and talk about? And I walked into this room, and after five minutes, I realized that everyone in this room is treating Richard Branson like a god. Please tell us what to do. Please give us the answers. Instead of understanding that he's a human being, and he also has challenges. And I very quickly just engaged him. I, I found that window of opportunity. I engaged him. And for 20, 30 minutes, like a room of 30 people was suddenly listening to me and Richard speaking uh, because there was different opportunities for us to engage each other with. I knew what he wanted to talk about it, and I didn't want anything from him. So if you want to engage with me, uh, three ways. Number one, give me a compliment. Number two, ask me a question. Number three, follow up. Uh, this is my... Uh, it's, it's actually a very, very deep and very complex formula, how to give people compliments, even if it's just in your mind, uh, how to ask people questions, to engage people, to build that relationship, and how to follow up and follow up and follow up and follow up if you really want to build a relationship with anyone. Gil, thank you so much. I love your brilliance, and I thank you so much for your time today. And the audience, I'm sure, is going to love this, and they'll follow you and reach out to you and connect with you. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy 
of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.